Hey, this is Pastor Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram and download the Fern Creek Christian Church app today because we want to stay connected with you throughout your week. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus. So without further ado, here's the message. It's great to see you. Thanks for sharing your weekend with us. If you're visiting with us, welcome to you. Before we get into the message, I want to introduce you to a few people. Last Sunday, we had a couple, newlywed couple, they just got engaged, join our church. This is uh, Aaron and Leslie. Let's welcome these two. We're excited that they're part of the Fern Creek family and excited about their upcoming wedding. Hey, also this Friday is Veterans Day, and uh, we want to recognize and thank and honor all of our veterans, and we'll be thinking about you on Friday. So if you're a veteran and you're here, would you stand up so we can celebrate and thank God for all that you've done for us? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. And we appreciate you so, so much. Um, when, when our oldest uh, was three years old, uh, she fell one day and cut the back of her head. And uh, we knew we would need to go, go to the ER. And we probably knew that there were some stitches that were going to be required. But we took her back. And sure enough, the nurses looked and said, yeah, uh, going to need some stitches. Now, at three years old, she had no idea what stitches were. But she made one thing crystal clear. She said, I will not be getting any of those. That's what she said. And, and the nurses were, uh, were short-staffed that day, and they said, now listen, we're, we're going to need you, Dad, to help us since we're short-staffed. So they took a blanket. I'll never forget it. They were great at what they did, but they took a blanket, and they wrapped her little arms to her side and wrapped her up in this little blanket so her arms wouldn't flail. They put her in my arms and said, you're going to have to hold her still. And so they had to clean the wound before they could numb her, and I'll never forget, as long as I live, she started to wail. And as long as I live, I'll never forget what she kept crying. She kept saying, Daddy, they're hurting me. Daddy, they're hurting me. Why are you letting them hurt me? And I knew that they were doing what they had to do, and tears were flowing down my eyes. And all I can remember saying is it'll be over soon. My heart was just breaking and, and when someone you love hurts, that's exactly how you feel. And, and you would do anything, you would give anything to take their pain away and to transfer it onto yourself, but you can't. And so you do what only you can do. You suffer with them. And, and, you, and, you're, and you're just there. You and I belong to what the Bible calls the body of Christ. Not just the body here at Fern Creek, but you and I are part of the universal body of Christ. You've got brothers and sisters all over this world of ours. Christians, brothers and sisters who love, who serve, who worship Jesus. They love them in Africa, in Egypt, in North Korea, in Pakistan. They worship him in different languages and they sing to him in Spanish and Mandarin and Hindi and Japanese. They serve him in rural areas. They serve him in the urban centers. The body of Christ is this 
big, beautiful body. And, and, and what you may not realize is that today, right now, there are brothers and sisters, there are members of the body of Christ who are suffering greatly today. Men and women, boys and girls who are being persecuted simply because they love Jesus. They're losing their jobs in Israel because they love Jesus. Their homes are being burned in India. Why? Because they're Christians. Their churches are being demolished right now in China. Why? Because they love Jesus. They're being beaten in Nigeria. The, the, the data is staggering. Right now, 360 million brothers and sisters, 360 million Christians in 130 different countries are experiencing a high level of persecution and discrimination. So today is a day where the universal church pauses and reflects. It's called the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. It's a day where we focus on the needs of persecuted Christians. It's a day where we explain the plight and the suffering of persecuted Christians. It's really a day where we come together to pray for uh, persecuted Christians. And what's so wild about persecution is you and I don't really get it because we don't see people losing their jobs because they're Christians. We don't see that, typically. We, we don't watch police going into homes of our neighbors, dragging them away to prison because they love Jesus. We don't see uh, you know, people losing their lives in our neighborhoods just because they love Jesus. And so just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening because it is happening. So, so to help you understand the plight, I want to introduce you to Tahir and his family. Take a look at their story. همه دنبال یه چیزی میگردن دنبال یه چیزی که خلعشون رو پر کنن اسم این خلع رو نمیدونن چی اسم اون چیزی که اون خلع رو پر میکنن نمیدونن چیه صبح ساعت هفت و نیم صبح من خواب بودم توی تخت وقتی من در رو باز کردم چون به عنوان پستچی اومده بود پاشا گذاشت لایه در که من نتونم هیچ حرکتی انجام بدم من با لباس خواب بودم خواهرم اتاق بغل خواب بود پدرم هم خونه نبود و حکم داریم که خونه شما رو بازرسی کنیم صبح زود من بیدار شدم و دیدم که مامانم کنارم نشسته و خب و بعد صدای بیسیم شنیدم و از مامانم پرسیدم که چه اتفاقی افتاده دیگه شروع کردم به ریختن خونه و رفتم و دیدم که همه وسایلمون وسط خونه است همه کتابامون قابعکسامون چیزی که مربوط می شد به مسیحیت و برمیداشن حتی توی لباس شویی یا لباس شویی دست شویی همه جا را می گشتن خواستن که آلبوم های اکسمونم ببینن پیتیف کتاب های مسیحی یا اکسی که با کشیشی یا 
کسی گرفته باش و بعد گفت تو رجا بگیر با شماره تلفن خونه وقتی گرفتم سر این گوشی از من با شدت گرفت و بعد که از تلفن خونه خودمون زنگ زدن به بابام ساعت هفت و هشت هشت رو کم با من از خونه تماس کرد و واقعا آیا ما میتونیم از این به محص که وارد خونه شدم چهار نفر مرد بودم دسته من بسته بابا رو دست بسته و چشم بسته سوار رو ماشین کردن بردنش حتی با ما نگفتن کجا فقط بردنش من اونجا مسیح ها کنار خودم احساس کردم بعد از رفتن بابا خب خیلی ترسیده بودیم و بله دعا میکردیم با عشقا بسیار مهربونه و ساده دله ایمان ساده ای داره یک اتاق یک متر و نیم در دو متر و نیم خیلی زیاد و میخواد اونا در امنیت باشن اون من دم سلوله سلوله بود که پر از جنایتکارا بودن و دوست داره بر اونام هر کاری که از دستش برمیاد انجام بدن گفت میخواید همسر رو بچه هات بیارم منم شروع کردم بین درزای دیوار متوجه شدم کسای دیگه مثل من قبلا تو اون سلول بودن اون موقع من دادگاه خواست اون فرد گفت که کاری که شما کردین مبارزه با نظامه و تبلیغ مسیحیت تبشیری با توجه به اینکه شما مسلمون بودی و مسیحی شدی شما حکمت ارتداده حکم ارتدادم که همون حکمش ادامه اونجا بود که ازش خواستم پنج دقیقه بیرون برم گفتم تو باز هم حاضری به این مسیری که من هستم ادامه بدی اگه شرح سختر از اینم بشه تو باز هم با من هستی؟ گفتم من واقعا تا آخرش با تو هستم ولی حاضر نیستم هیچ کدومه به هیچ عنوان مسیح ها انکار کنیم من گفتم اگر به من گفت از 
دین مسیحیت بر بیا بیرون اون برگره نمیده بستم اون گفت با هم دعا کن برای دل اون افرادم که توی اون بالا داشتن برحال حکمی میخواستن بنویسن برای اون هم دعا کردیم وقتی به دادگاه برگشتم قاضی گفت بنویس گفتم خدا محبت گفت امزا کن نمیدونم چرا امروز نمیدونم چرا درم به تو حکم آزادی میدم اما اگه دفعه دیگه بگیرمت مطمئنن حکم ادامه امضا میکنم ما به خونه برگشتیم شروع کردیم دوباره به بشارت دادم فکر میکنم اون موضوع میتونست روی یعنی تونست روی ایمان ما بیشتر کار کنه جفا ایمان آدم رو قوی میکنه و توی سختیه که ایمان آدم ساخته میشه همونطور که به هوا احتیاج دارم برای که نفس بکشم فکر کنم که به ایسا بیشتر از اون احتیاج دارم شنیده بودم که مامورا هم نمیکنن تو خونه ها ولی یه جورایی اشتیاق داشتم هرچه سریعتر همه متوجه بشن که واقعا من به چه بهشتی دست یافتم و ایسای مسیح هم گفته که توی کلامش بروید اومت ها رو شاگرد سازید و ما باید بشارت بدیم ولی ایران این شرایط رو برای ما مهیا نمیکنه. تو خونه موندن مثل یک انسان دست و بوسته بود برای من و ما دیدیم که خیلی به همون فشار میارن هر جا میرفتیم میدیدیم که یه ماشینی دنبالمون میاد ما توی خونه با هم دیگه این تصمیم ما گرفت برای مدت کوتاهی از ایران بیاییم بیرون ما پنج نفرمون با هم دیگه تصمیم گرفتیم که هر چیزی که داریم و مثل خونه و سایل خونه واقعا وقتی که یه درختی ریشه داشته باشه یه جایی و بخواین شما اونو بکنی و ببرین جای دیگه مطمئنا خیلی سخت خیلی بیشتر از این چیزی که باشم بدم بازم ازش شد Even though I have never met to hear and even though we probably will never meet On this side of heaven, he and I, he and you share a link. That, that, that is our brother in Christ. And, and Paul talks about the link that we share. Listen to what he writes in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, if one part of the body suffers, all the parts of the body suffer with him. So, so, so the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church is not just a day where we inform you about how persecution is real and how it is rampant 
in the world outside of the United States of America. We also have come together to wield the most powerful weapon we have in our arsenal. We want to pray for the persecuted brothers and sisters of ours around the globe. A single prayer has unlocked doors, thoughts sealed shut forever. A single prayer was the green light that ushered angels to spring into action. So when these dear brothers and sisters of ours are asked, what can the worldwide church do for you in your situation? You know what they don't say? They don't ever say, well, please send money. They don't say, please send more Bibles. You know what they say? They say, pray. Pray for us. That's the key. Prayer is the key. Pray for us. And so let's just do that. Let's, let's just take 60 seconds and let's pray for Tahir. His family had to flee Iran. They are living as refugees in another country. Had to leave their friends, their family, their jobs. Let's pray for all those Christians who are dispersed today, all those Christians who are going to be losing their jobs. Let's pray for all of those widows, widowers, orphans whose parents paid the ultimate price. Let's pray for the underground church, churches that can't meet like we meet. They're meeting in secret because if they're discovered, man, they will be arrested. So let's just take 60 seconds. And would you pray silently for the persecuted church? Let's pray together. God, we have no idea what it's like to live in these countries where your life can be taken if you profess to be a follower of Jesus. So we pray for these homes that you would place your hand of protection around these places, these dwellings, that, that safety would, would be given to our brothers and sisters, that churches meeting in secret would be preserved and protected, that, that these men and women would stay strong, that, that these oppressive regimes would fall, that Satan would not get the upper hand. And we just pray for these dear brothers and sisters, God. We hear them, we see them, we join them as we pray for their protection. And we pray that in Jesus' strong name, amen. Amen. Hey, we want to keep this rolling, this idea of praying for the persecuted church. Don't want to just make it a 60-second prayer. Today, starting at noon and going until tomorrow at noon, we want to do a prayer chain. So on your way out, there's a grid in, in the foyer. It's got a bunch of 15-minute slots. And I want to ask you, we want to ask you if you would just sign up for a 15-minute window. It could be this afternoon. It could be in the middle of the night. It could be tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. Would you just sign up for a 15-minute slot where you'll say, for 15 minutes, I will pray for the persecuted church. And when you sign up, 
right there on that grid, there's a half a sheet of paper. It says how to pray for the persecuted church. Take one of these with you, and it'll be a guide. It will guide you through that 15 minutes of prayer. And as a church, we just want to come together, and we want to pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted today. Now, there's one more group I want to put before you uh, that's being persecuted uh, as a matter of fact, when you total the numbers, they are the most persecuted people group on all the planet. Last year alone, 60 to 70 million of them were killed. But the number so 60 to 70 million were killed. Uh, 800,000 were killed in this country alone. I'm talking about the plight of the persecuted unborn. They're the greatest persecuted group on the planet. Psalm 139, 13, God says, I created, David said, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know if you remember, I preached a sermon three or four weeks ago where we talked about your DNA. You remember that? how your three billion genetic code, who you are, who God created you to be, how you're to be put together, that 300 billion character code is in the first single cell that, that was you and, and how life uh, is created in that first cell. I, I want you to do me a favor. Would you just turn and just... Just stare at your neighbor for a second. I'll give you permission. Just go ahead and stare at him. Give him a look over. Give him a glance. You are looking at a person who thinks incredibly. They're a beautiful, marvelous creation. They can think they are mental. Some of them are more mental than others. But they have an intellect and can think. You're looking at an emotional being. They feel deeply. Now, now do me a favor. Just poke them. Give them a little poke. Just a gentle poke. Poke. Not just are they, do they, do they can they think and can they feel. They, they are a physical. They are a physical creature. But I also want you to realize something else. They, they are a spiritual being. Inside this body is, is a soul. A soul that will live forever. And the question I want you to ponder today is when did God put that soul inside the body? When did this soul take place? Well, the Bible, the Bible tells us God placed that soul inside the womb. There's a popular slogan of progressives today Maybe you've heard it, my body, my choice, my body, my choice. No, 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 no. That is a total secular view, totally unbiblical, totally heretical, totally false. Listen to what God has to say. Look at Job 41, 11. God says, who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. God says, it, it, everything is mine. Or how about Psalm 24, 1? The earth is the Lord's. Everything in it, the world, and all who live in it belong to God. So listen, who owns everything? Not me. I'm not an owner. God owns it all. That even means my body. It's not my body. 
It's God's body. Proverbs 31.8 says, Speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. What I'm suggesting to you this morning is two things. Number one, the Bible tells me God created life in the womb. Second thing I'm told is that I'm supposed to speak up. I'm supposed to defend that life. I can and I should pray for life. But you and I this week, this coming week, have another opportunity. On Tuesday, November 8th, Amendment 2 will be voted on. I want to read to you what I voted two days ago. What amendment, I looked at Red Amendment 2. I want to show you what Amendment 2 says, and I'm going to show you what you're going to be voting for or against. Here's the verbiage. Amendment 2 says, To protect human life, nothing in this Constitution shall be construed to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion. Now let me tell you what a yes vote means. If you vote yes on Amendment 2, it means that you agree the courts do not have the authority to say abortion is a legal right. You vote yes on Amendment 2, it means that you agree that no taxpayer dollars should ever go to support abortion. That's what a yes vote means. A no vote means you agree that the courts can say abortion is a legal right, even up to the day a child is born. It also means that you agree that taxpayer money should go to fund abortion. That's what a no vote will mean. Now, I know. I know this is an emotional uh, issue. I know there are situations that need to get figured out. People will say, well, what about rape? What about incest? What about a woman whose life is in danger? Well, listen, I, I just want to say, if you were or you are in any of those situations, my heart aches. It breaks for you, and I'm so sorry. And these are issues that need to be focused on, need to be worked through. And some, some here, I know, I know, I've heard, some here are going to say, you're being political. Stop being political. Friend, this is not politics. This is a moral issue. And if I can't stand in this pulpit and tell you pornography is sinful, if I can't stand in this pulpit and tell you greed, gluttony, drunkenness, prejudice, adultery is sinful, if I can't stand in this pulpit and tell you life begins in the womb, if I can't stand here and urge you, challenge you, exhort you to use your voice to vote to protect life, to protect the innocent life of the unborn and vote yes on Amendment 2, then I am a charlatan with no spine. I, I am totally... If I, can't, if I can't urge you to protect and to vote for life, then I'm only interested in the opinion of man, the approval of man, not the opinion and approval of my God. I drove in this morning heavy-hearted, thinking about my colleagues all across the Commonwealth, and I thought, how could, how could any pastor not stand in front of their congregation, embracing their role as watchmen on the wall? How could we not sound the trumpet Waking up the people of God to say, man, protect life. Stop the persecution of the unborn. It's time to wake up. We've stayed silent too long. 
Someone once wrote this, when the church remains silent, what voice shall testify? How shall it answer the needy's cry, refute the world's lie, truth verify, the God of our salvation glorify? When the church will not live out loud God's word, how can the message of salvation be heard? When the church remains silent, how can the social ills of this world rectify? God's will clarify and amplify. When the church remains silent, how can it not allow the innocent to die? Its own Savior crucify. When its voice gets caught in its own throat, how can the church be the world's needed antidote? My friends, may we pray, may we speak out, and may we cast our vote for life. Let me pray. God, today we speak up for those being persecuted. Not just those around the globe being persecuted of their faith, those around the globe being persecuted because they're going to be born. And God, I, I know <laughs> I totally know that there will be people who aren't going to like what was said. And that's, that's totally their right. God, I, I, I just pray that the church speaks your truth and love. We've just stayed silent too long. So God, as we think about our brothers and sisters around the world, as we think about those being persecuted in the womb, may you call us to act, to not just simply think and not simply pray, but to do what we can. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we uh, prepare to take communion together, I, I just wanted to reinforce uh, the authority of Scripture and uh, the hope we have in Jesus. I think our enemy, Satan, uh, tries to divide God's church by disguising these spiritual moral issues as political ones. But I love how Craig used scripture, the same practice Jesus used when he was being tempted in the desert to expose the truth of God's word about the value of human life, even in the mother's womb. Today's message was heavy, could have stirred up a lot of emotions, guilt, shame, anger, confusion. And for some of you, abortion is personal. Maybe you, you've had an abortion. Maybe a child of yours has had an abortion. A girlfriend or fiance, uh, a dear friend. Maybe you're wrestling with what God thinks about that. Let me be the first to say that God loves you and we love you too. And uh, scripture has a lot to say about the lives of, of the unborn, but it also has a lot to say about grace and forgiveness for those who put their faith in Jesus. 
Romans 3 says there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no distinction between your sin and my sin. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. You're not alone. Romans 3 goes on to say, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God offers grace. And although it's free for you and me, he paid the price on the cross. And so as we consume the bread, which represents his body nailed to the cross, and the juice, which represents his blood poured out for you and for me, you're not only accepting his forgiveness, you're admitting that you continually need Jesus in your life. Without him, there is no hope. God can redeem anyone and anything. No sin is unforgivable for God. The cross is big enough to handle all of our burdens, all of our emotions, and all of our sins. And in these next three minutes, you have an opportunity to pray and reflect on this amazing sacrifice Jesus made for you. And when you eat the bread and drink the juice, remember the love God has for you. Man, it's not Matt Zola who's inviting you to take communion today. It is God the Father who offered you his body and blood so that you could have relationship with him and experience the love he has for you. Take and eat because this is good. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I hope that message encouraged you to love, live, and lead like Jesus, to become a disciple that makes more disciples. That is why Fern Creek Christian Church exists. Hey, while you're already on your mobile device, why don't you go to Apple Store or Google Play and download the Fern Creek Christian Church app today. On the app, You'll be able to see other podcasts we have, just like this one. You'll be able to stay up to date on Fern Creek Christian Church news and announcements. And you'll see events and the church calendar throughout the year. Man, you need to download this app today. I'm serious. Go do it. Hey, I want to take a second to invite you to worship with us on Sunday mornings, either online or in person. We have three services, one at 845 that we call our homecoming service. That features more hymns and southern gospel music. But then we also have two contemporary services at 10 and 1115. If you would like to give to the ministry happening here at Fern Creek, I want you to go online to our website, www.ferncreekcc.org, and click on the big giving tab you'll see on our main page. If you would like to talk more about the message you just heard or you would like to pray with somebody, call us at 502-239-9300. Again, that's 502-239-9300. Or email us at office at ferncreekcc.org. Well, if you're not already a member at Fern Creek Christian Church, we want this place to become your home. So with that, hope you have a blessed rest of your week. Grace, peace. See you next time, church.